welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hi, podcast listeners. This is Kathleen Hallisey. I'm here with my colleague, Danielle Vincent. This is the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, where we talk about things related to sexual abuse, sexual assaults, and rape, which is the work that we do and the clients that we act on behalf of. We will be talking about some things that might be difficult to hear. So this is just a trigger warning now. If any of those things might be difficult for you to listen to, now's the time to um, switch us off and go take some time for yourself, perhaps make a cup of tea and take good care of yourself. Otherwise, for everyone else, if, if you feel comfortable listening to the podcast, here we are today and Danny's going to introduce our topic. Yes, thanks Kathleen. So today we are talking about specifically CalCOP Services for Children, which is a firm that provides services in homes, schools and supportive housing. There was a report came out in June this year in regards to allegations of assault and grooming incidents out the homes, schools and the supportive housing. The BBC then investigated this and there were quite a few findings that hit the press that, that were really concerning, especially in this day and age where you think these are potentially very vulnerable children. So as an outline, I just wanted to give you a few of the key findings. These were that children were being reportedly being groomed for sex, given alcohol and also assaulted by staff members. There were allegations of child-on-child sexual abuse and suicide attempts after youngsters had absconded, and these were not reported to Ofsted, despite an obligation to do so. Calcott did not provide some dedicated care and teaching staff, despite receiving the specific funding from the government and other local authorities. There were claims of inadequate staffing at the home where there were serious instances, including assault and rape allegations again. And then some support workers had been asked to sign non-disclosure agreements when they left the company, which clearly indicates that there was significant concerns here. As part of the investigation, there were a number of staff members spoken to. And I just want to give you some examples of some of the things that the staff reported once they'd left. So one staff member who who hasn't been named said there was a 17-year-old girl and a 13-year-old boy who were found undressed without supervision and the boy had told other staff members that the girl had made him touch her genitals. Senior management assured her that the incident had been reported to authorities but Ofsted had told the BBC that they, they weren't aware of this. There was no record of it and it wasn't placed on Calcott's own instant blog. There was another young female who had significant learning difficulties and was judged to be at significant risk of absconding. So she was given a place at one of the schools. She was also living in a children's home run by Calcott. She fled her home with a boy, a victim of sexual abuse, and later alleged that he had raped her. After returning, she continued to attend the school despite the boy living in residential quarters in the same building. She absconded twice and attempted to take her own life. 
there was a further staff member at a Calcot-run school who questioned what thousands of pounds of specific local authority funding for pupils was being spent on because they said that the children had been each allocated up to £23,000 for one-to-one teaching, didn't receive any of this. And therefore, the, the sort of outcome of this was that staff accused Calcot of putting the profit before children and failing to meet contracted staffing levels and neglected to report several incidents. You know, the ones I've just outlined could be the tip of the iceberg over the past three years to offset. And one of the main findings was there was chronic understaffing. I mean, those are really horrific stories that we've just heard. Danny, thank you for sharing those with us. I think one of the things that you've just kind of raised is the possibility that Calcott is putting profit before children. That seems to certainly be what the reporting is saying. So just taking a look at that, the stats published by the company, so just reminding you know our listeners that this is a private company that is providing care for really some of the most neglected and vulnerable children in the country in their care homes. They recorded profits of 36% last year, which is double that of equivalent large care providers. So that's really concerning. Why do they have double the amount of profit of other providers that provide the same type of care to children. And especially given the concern that Danny mentioned about a staff member who says they were receiving, you know, 23,000 pounds of funding for kids who had very specific needs and wondering where that that money was going. Just to mention, they did also record profits of 42% in 2020 and 32% in 2019. So clearly a profitable business for the owners of Kelcott, but doesn't appear that they're providing the services that they're meant to be to children who are so vulnerable. So it's really concerning, obviously, that this is happening, particularly, as I said, these children are so vulnerable. They need specialist care because of their vulnerabilities. Often, you know, they would have already suffered abuse in various settings, and that's why they've ended up in one of these care homes. And, you know, they're trusting that the people there are going to look after them and care for them. You know, it is a last resort for a lot of these kids. They might have come through the foster care system and, you know, suffered abuse before that and and sadly probably in the foster care system and now have ended up in a children's home. And it's, you know, a completely inappropriate environment for them where they're, you know, they're not being cared for appropriately, in fact, potentially suffering other abuse. So I guess the question, Danny, is is what do we do now? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to Calcott? What can we do about this? Well, I mean, I think, as you say, the percentages there that the statistics published saying how much they were actually making in profit, you know, for our listeners to understand that in, in comparison, the watchdog was saying other companies doing a similar type of work were making profits perhaps of 17%. So this is way over double you know, that there's clearly something going wrong here. So this report has obviously come out, the BBC have investigated it. So ministers now are calling for urgent reform. Last month, the government commissioned independent review of children's social care highlighted what is called a broken market that failed to meet the needs of too many looked after children. It called for a windfall tax on excessive profits of larger providers and urged councils to band together to prevent profiteering. And I mean, we have to look at it in a similar sense of, of charities. When charities are given a certain amount of money, they cannot be in too much profit because the money is dedicated to providing these services. And so an organization like this must be looked into closely if they're making lots and lots of profit to see that 
the money they're being allocated is clearly not being spent. Now, that being said, part of this podcast is talking about legal action and what people can do. So, you know, as we both know, if somebody has been affected by abuse or failings in a home, then they are more than welcome to speak to us about whether there would be a potential civil claim in regards to these types of matters, in addition to potential criminal sanctions, depending on an individual's specific facts of what's happened to them. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you raise a really good point there and a message for our listeners about, you know, the possibility of a civil claim if they've been through, you know, this type of experience or something similar. I think, you know, one of the other things that is worth pointing out and something that just came to mind as we were talking about children absconding from these types of settings is that, We've seen from the Telford inquiry and the report into child sexual exploitation in Telford and in other areas that one of the major risk factors for being exploited is absconding, so going missing. And, you know, I would just, you know, raise that as a bit of food for thought of looking at whether there is also a connection here between children who are in these homes and then might go on to be exploited because of their vulnerability. They are going missing from these places. But I think looking at the fact that this is a private company that's meant to be providing these services. They need to be held to account. Maybe, you know, what needs to happen is there needs to be a, you know, larger scale investigation into what's happening there in terms of the money, where the money is going, how they're declaring such huge profits compared to equivalent providers and not serving the most vulnerable children who they're meant to be serving. So I'll be interested to see if there is any further review and what else we hear about them, really. But I think, you know, they're probably not the only one, sadly. As you and I know, Danny, there's probably other private providers who are having similar issues. I think maybe this needs to be looked at on a larger scale, a government review investigation into private companies providing care to the most vulnerable of our society. Yeah, and one of the things that has come out of this report, which we talk about often, is the fact that there was a real lack of reporting. So, you know, just in the small examples we've given, you know, Ofsted were not aware of, you know, children absconding, sexual assaults, and staff were, you know, effectively signing NDAs when they, they leave that perhaps mandatory reporting and strict guidance in respect of these types of organisations, what needs to be reported to who and when, and all staff or management are aware of this. So there's no grey area. So these types of incidents aren't falling through the net. And as you say, vulnerable children are left in a very vulnerable, negative surroundings. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just yet another example of of the many, many, many that we see day in and day out of where mandatory reporting would make a difference. And and also too, I think, you know, one of the things to think about is what would be the sanctions if we do have mandatory reporting and somebody does fail to report, that there should be some type of sanction that is going to, you know, kind of be the stick that does make people follow through with their their statutory obligations in terms of mandatory reporting. So, you know, Ix's report is due out next month and we'll have to see what it says about mandatory reporting, but I certainly think, you know, you and I and a, and a lot of other people who, who do the work that we do are, are really hoping to see a recommendation from ICSA that mandatory reporting should be made law. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what, what Carpot's official responses to this and perhaps next year and the year after what, what the profit thresholds will show after this report comes out. 
Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to keep our eyes open for that and um, certainly come back and maybe do an update for our listeners if we do have a response. I haven't to date seen any response from Calcott, which is surprising and disappointing, I think. But that's great, Danny. Thank you so much for bringing this topic to our attention. It sounds like based on our conversation, it is one that I'm sure we, we might be coming back to and, and won't be surprised to maybe see other headlines similar to this, sadly. But thank you, podcast listeners, for tuning in. As always, if anything we've talked about today has raised any issues or concerns or anything you'd like to talk about with us, please do get in touch. And if you have ideas for other podcasts or other things you'd like us to talk about, please also get in touch and let us know. and We'll be happy to take a look at that. Thanks again. Thanks, Jenny. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.